but we just kind of had to have the house ready so that someone could look at it when they wanted to look at it. Yep. And we had like a nine month old at home. <laughs> And we were both working, and like I had a lot of other stuff going on, and I remember just like trying to make sure that my house was company ready all the time. Yes, it's crazy. It's hard. <laughs> Dirty dishes, put them in the dishwasher, please. <laughs> make your bed. <laughs> every day, make your bed every day. Make sure the dirty laundry is put away. Mm-hmm. Clear you know, half it. the stuff out of your closets and put in storage. When you went through your new home. Mm-hmm. And you saw it for the first time. You start putting your things in here, into it. Mentally, you do. You are listening to the Financial Clarity for Doctors podcast by Finity Group LLC, where we discuss the pertinent financial planning topics facing physicians and other medical professionals. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA SIPC. And now, here are your hosts, Rochelle Vanderzanden and Corey Janoff. All right, we're back. Welcome to Financial Clarity for Doctors. I'm Corey Janoff, joined as always by Rochelle Vanderzanden. Hello. So we're joined again this week by Rick McDowell. Um, real estate agent. Last time we talked about buying homes, and today we're going to dive into selling homes, which is equally as fun as buying. Just kidding. Now, now full disclosure, you know this shouldn't be construed as individualized advice. So if you do uh, have questions, definitely recommend consulting with a real estate agent who is licensed in your state. If you don't have one already, Rick has a, a referral network that he could uh, put you in touch with someone who is in your area. So feel free to reach out to us or Rick if you do need a connection there. So why don't we just dive right into it? <laughs> Absolutely. Corey was just introducing Rick and we talked to him a little bit last time, but we did want to talk a little bit about selling separately because it's just a whole other topic. And I think I know firsthand that selling a home can be a pain in the knee. You know what? But Rick, can you describe the process of selling a home a little bit for any of our listeners that may have not been through it themselves? Sure, sure. So I don't know that selling a home is a pain. (laughs) (laughs) You haven't sold a home in 30 years almost. (laughs) No, but I've helped people. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, first thing that we do um, is that we sit down with our clients and we find out what they want to do. Where do they want to go? Why are they trying to move? Sure. Right? Um, that's, I think that's more important than the actual process. Okay. Because we're always trying to, we're trying to get to a goal. Because, let's face it, when you decided to put your home on the market, all the love was out of that house for the most part. It's like, I want to sell it. Mm-hmm. We want to move on. Yeah. Right? You detach. Yeah. You detach from it. Um, so it, it, it's a matter of where are we going to and going forward rather than we're getting, we're cutting off a finger. <laughs> you know, hopefully. I mean, most of the time. Mm-hmm. Most, and there, are, there are situations when, you know, where families and, and what have you split up and, and we have to do that or we're dealing with the states and what have you but we're talking about people 
right now. So, so we always want to sit down and talk to them, find out what their their goals are, what their dreams are, what what do they want on that, um, and then then we start going through the process. So, first of all, um, we're going to do a, a what's called the CMA, a comparative market analysis. Mm-hmm. So, we're going to see what other homes that are similar in the area have sold for recently. So that gives us an idea uh, as to the value. Then we make adjustments. You know, you've, you've just done a big kitchen remodel and you've done, re, re, you put in a pool, which unfortunately doesn't help you in Portland. <laughs> <laughs> it's more of a detriment than it is a, an asset. Um, That's interesting. It is. Yeah. It is. So, um, but then why are they moving? I'm going to back up a little bit here. Why are they moving? Are they, um, have they outgrown the home? Mm-hmm. We now have three kids. We thought we were only going to have two. Twins on the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, one came along. <laughs> And um, maybe they're outgrowing the home. Mm-hmm. You know what? Uh, maybe they're downsizing. Mm-hmm. I don't. I you know, we bought. We thought that it'd be really cool to have this big yard, quarter acre lot, and I don't have time to take care of it. I don't want to take care of it. So we're going to be moving to something that that fits their lifestyle better. So that's 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 what we're really trying to do. So then, once we you know we do the CMA, um, we go through the whole marketing process, explain that, and and again, this is all a matter of communication. And, and yes, selling a home is very stressful. Yeah. My job is to to relieve as much of that stress as possible. Um, I, I, you've you've all heard this saying: if you saw sausage sausage being made, you wouldn't eat it again. You know, you don't need to see all the sausage making. That's my job. That's my job. So, um, sign the listing agreement. We start marketing. We review offers. Hopefully, multiple. <laughs> Hopefully, multiple. We get into contract. We accept a, an offer from a buyer. The buyer has their contingencies. They've got to deposit earnest money. They've got to, they're going to have the home inspected. They're going to come back. Maybe we agree to some inspection repairs. At that point, we've got to get those repairs done. That adds a lot of stress. Yeah. That adds a lot of stress. So one of the things that we do is that we've got a whole host of contractors that we've worked with in the past, and we can we schedule the the bids. And we can schedule all the repairs. We show the bids to you and you say, yeah, this is one. These are good. I'm happy. Okay, then we can schedule them for you. That's very helpful. That'd be very helpful. We find that that's extremely helpful. Um, So we get that done. The lender has their appraisal, which we talked about last time. In the sale contract here in Oregon, the purchase price, the home has to appraise for the purchase price. If it doesn't, then we're going to be um, negotiating a little bit of a difference, probably. We're going to have the stance of, well, you agreed to pay this. Now we'd expect you to. Mm -hmm. 
Sometimes when we have multiple offers and prices go above, they get bid up, what happens if it doesn't appraise? Everyone's right? got to figure it out. We've yeah. got to figure it out. So a lot of times what we'll do is we'll have clauses. We'll put some verbiage into the sales agreement that the buyer agrees to move forward. In a multiple offer situation. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, um, so that's, you know, but that's where a good realtor really comes into play is, is that they've, they've seen a lot of this stuff happen and um, they, they can make it um, go smoothly, arrange, you know, we can write counter offers that structure the offer such that we don't end up having problems. Mm-hmm. We just bypass it. And if there is a problem that comes up during the transaction, we've probably seen it. Yeah. Or at least we know how to work our way through it. I remember one thing that came up during the selling process for me is that we didn't sell like immediately after a, an open house and have okay. multiple offers or anything like that. So it was on the market for a little while, not a crazy amount of time. But we just kind of had to have the house ready so that someone could look at it when they wanted to look at it. Yep. And we had like a nine-month-old at home. <laughs> And we were both working, and, like, I had a lot of other stuff going on. And I remember just, like, trying to make sure that my house was company-ready all the time. Yes. It's crazy. It's hard. <laughs> well, well, living in a house and selling a house are two different things. Oh, yes. <laughs> Very much so. And, and, and that's one of the things that we talk about. Corey, I'm sure that we could, you know, we could rec- recall what we talked about. And it's like, okay. Dirty dishes, put them in the dishwasher, please. <laughs> make your bed. <laughs> every day, make your bed every day. Make sure the dirty laundry is put away. Mm-hmm. Clear you know, half it, the stuff out of your closets and put in storage. Yep. No one yep. wants to look at that stuff. <laughs> well, it's not that. Hmm. It's not that. So we always talk, it's part of staging the house and what have you. But it's closets. We want to declutter the closets. So they look bigger. It's a buying signal for buyers. Hmm. So when they start, when when a buyer is going through your home, when you went through your new home mm-hmm. and you saw it for the first time, you start putting your things in here, into it yeah. mentally. Mentally you do. A lot of times people open up closets or cupboards and if they're jam-packed, they'll think there's not enough room. Yeah. You know, and it's a closet. It's it's this time of year. We're we're October, mid October. We're you could probably put away the summer jackets and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, winter jackets are fine. If it's summer, put away the winter jackets. You're gonna box them up and move anyhow. It just makes everything look bigger. Yeah, do some of your packing ahead yeah. of time. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this is going to get into one of the... Yeah, what are some other things people can do to prepare their home for sale ahead of time so they can try and get top dollar? Yep. Well, first of all, the, the, the main thing, and Rochelle, you hit on it, was being accessible. Mm-hmm. We want to be as accessible as possible. Yeah. And so we that, definitely wanted to be as accessible as possible. I was like, call me anytime. Like, we'll try to leave. Sure. Whatever. Sure. So... And you also don't want to be there. Right. One, you don't want to hear some of the objections that the buyers are going to have. You know, it's like, oh, 
they don't like that, fine, I'm not going to sell my house. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um, but the, the, the biggest issue is that the buyer won't feel comfortable voicing those objections if you're there. The realtor is very able to overcome those objections if they're just minor ones. You know, I don't like the purple paint. Well, you know, a can of paint's cheap. <laughs> and you can paint it whatever color you want. You know? So it's, it's best not to be there. The other thing is, is clean, clean, clean. Yep. Clean, clean, clean. First impressions are best impressions. If you got your, if you got leaves and cobwebs around your front door, clean them. If you've got nicked up paint around your front door, touch it up. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't take much to do like tiny little touches. Yep. I, I remember yep. doing that myself. Clean all the light fixtures. Mm-hmm. That's something that people forget. I mean, when you, how often do we clean light fixtures? I think my wife does it once a year. I just, <laughs> she might How listen to this. <laughs> How often do we clean? <laughs> um, but but it's something that gets forgotten, you know, as you live in the house. Well, super clean light fixtures. All the light bulbs have to work. Yeah. Right. Um, windows. Wash the windows inside and out. Just little things like that. Um, I've never been a big believer. You'll hear some agents or you go into HGTV and they have all these, you know, okay, we're going to take rid of all of the family pictures. We're going to depersonalize it. Baloney, <laughs> in my opinion. I think that people like to see that a home's been lived in. I have no problem with, with that, you know, depending on the picture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um Keep it PG, people. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Keep it PG. Um, so I, I think those are the main, you know, things as far as showing a home to help it get top dollar. But the biggest thing is going to be price it right. Yeah. Price it right. Um, don't don't price it above where your realtor thinks the market price is. If they if they think it's five hundred thousand dollars. Price it maybe at four ninety nine nine. Don't don't go five fifty or five and a quarter, thinking that somebody's going to um, make you an offer, because that doesn't happen. People when they're out buying, they are looking when they're out shopping. I should say, they are shopping by comparison. Yeah. And if you're priced at five fifty, and another house. Other, two other houses are priced at five fifty, and they're bigger, nicer, maybe in a better area, better location. They don't back up to the freeway, <laughs> for instance, or something to that effect. Who's, who, who, whose house are they going to buy? They're going to buy the other one. So it's, it's eventually you'll get tired of, of listening to your realtor say, and the market's telling us we're a bit high. Mm-hmm. We're priced a bit on the high side here. Um, and eventually you'll come down to the market price, where we think the market is, which is an art, not a science. But it's where we think the market is. And then when buyers are looking at it, they'll come in, 
And they'll say, how long has this home been on the market? Yeah, that's what I was just thinking about. Yeah, it's been on the market two months. And average market time, let's say, is two weeks in the market, if it's a fast-moving market. They will think, what's wrong with it? What's wrong with this house? Why hasn't it sold? So, because they're afraid of making a mistake. It's a big mistake to make. It's a big mistake. It's a half million dollars. It's a big mistake to make. So they're afraid to, to do that, and they're, they're trying to, to say, well, if it was, it, I don't see anything wrong here. Why hasn't it sold? What am I missing? And maybe they get over that, and they think, you know, I'm just going to hit them. I'll shoot them on a, a low offer. Mm-hmm. And as a seller, it may be the only offer you get. Mm-hmm. And you end up, as much as we try to get it back up, you probably sell it for less than what we could have if we priced it right to begin with. Yeah. So there are three pricing strategies. I just went over the most dangerous one. Mm-hmm. It seems the, 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 the safest for, um, for a seller. Mm-hmm. The other is you price it at the market. And the, other, the third is price it slightly under. If you really need to get out of there. Maybe we, may, in, a, in a good market, good fast-moving market, maybe we want to build that bidding war mm-hmm. and get it going above. I remember when I was buying two years ago, which I, I'm sure you remember this time frame, where I, the house that we got was the third <laughs> house that we put an offer in on. Okay. Because it was like every house was a bidding war. And part of that was like we knew what the price point was that we were willing to pay. And mm-hmm. those were the offers we put in. And so we were, if it was more than that, then we weren't willing to pay that. But I remember there was one house that was priced at three ninety nine that sold for four fifty. Sure. That I was just like, that is such a huge difference. But it, it's it's not necessarily overpaying. Yeah. Because maybe they just underpriced it. Maybe they. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe that was the strategy. Maybe it. Yeah. Maybe it was. You know. So uh, it's. Mm-hmm. What are some things? people should be aware of to help set the expectations right and to make the process go as smooth as possible? Well, it's, it, it, it's really all about communication. Um, if, if you as the buyer or the seller set expectations, this is what I, I expect you to do. Rick is my realtor. And I'm going to set some expectations about what I expect you, Mr. Seller, to do on that. Um, we're gonna, again, like I said, it, it's so much of it's communication and it's stressful. And one of the ways that um, we can go, make it smoother is, is you let me know if I'm not doing what you expect. I'll keep you informed as far as the steps going through. You know the steps that are happening. We, we go over that initially. But then sometimes it's, it's a matter of, I'm just reporting that I have nothing to report. Mm-hmm. We had no showings this week. 
But the market slowed down. It was July 4th. Nobody, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Or, or it was Christmas or New Year's or Thanksgiving weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, there are, there are times that, that just don't, they don't sell. Houses don't sell normally. Now, I've sold houses on every single of those holidays. <laughs> but, you know, normally the activity is down. So it, it's our job to relieve as much stress as possible. It truly is. How do you deal with people when they really like certain little things about their house and, and you realize that a buyer is not going to like those things and, and maybe they might need to make some adjustments? Like the purple wall? Like the purple wall, exactly, okay. yes. Well, usually it, when when we're working with clients and there's let's say that there's a purple room. Mm-hmm. And they love it. It's they love it. Mm-hmm. Like okay, I mean, we. I recommend that we paint it. You're not going to live here anymore, and 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 they're just no. We we love this. We think it looks great. Like okay. We get feedback from showing realtors, and if that happens to be an objection that we get multiple times. We talk to the seller and say, "Look, we're going to get feedback, and we're going to if we have an objection that hap- you know that comes across more than once or twice, we, it might be something that we take a look at fixing." Especially if it's something low cost like paint. It's easy. Mm-hmm. It's easy, but I understand. You know, maybe it could be you know that purple was school colors, and. They're hoping that, you know, they're going to find another Washington Husky. (laughs) Yeah. I have actually seen, we had a good friend who bought a house, and one of the bedrooms was painted orange and black. Sure. Black and orange. Were they they in Corvallis? No, it was in Sherwood. In Sherwood, but but they went to Oregon State. They went to Oregon State. But, like, literally, black is, like, the hardest color to paint over ever to begin with. But, yeah. And it wasn't the man cave? It wasn't the man cave. No. But, again, (laughs) you know, I think that it it has more, it, it has a bit better effect coming from, people rather than just me because then it's it's not me being adversarial well we're people here and i think it's important for everyone listening to understand you value your own belongings more than other people value them there's been psychological studies done to support that and you know not everyone's going to see the same value in 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 your possessions as you do so just understand that like Rick said we're moving on we're selling the house yep just get over it detach and pro- move forward yeah that sounds a little bit harsh but <clears> but it's <throat> reality sometimes <laughs> sometimes yes I'm sorry if I offended anyone or hurt your feelings <laughs> are there any other like do's and don'ts that people should be mindful of when selling a house um well like I said we want to be as accessible as possible um for buyers to view the home don't be there. Um, that's you know. That's be open. Cleanliness. <laughs> yeah, cleanliness. Um, be open, open minded, um, to to certain things. Um, 
when and, and when because selling a home, it's not only just getting the initial offer, but it's working through the working through that offer. So be open minded on on things that come up in it uh, in the in the transaction. Maybe there's a way to rearrange the deck chairs. You know, somebody they 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 want um, to make some some improvements to the house, but they don't. You know, to do that, they are um, hitting us price wise because they want to keep some money in their pocket in order to do that afterwards. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe a way to to get the price that we want. What if we pay for some of the buyer's closing costs? Add it to the price. That way the buyer doesn't have to pay those closing costs out of pocket. And then they have that money to do whatever it is they want to the house. Mm-hmm. So they're basically financing it. To be willing to negotiate. Negotiate. Would you maybe put that... Is there a way to add that to the price tag? Like we're listing it for sure. four fifty plus closing costs. Well, it, it would be in an in an offer. Okay. So let's say if we're at, at I'm going to use five hundred, mm-hmm. and um, there's ten thousand dollars of buyer's closing costs that are that the buyer would have to pay, but they want to put in. Uh, it's got white tile counters in the in the kitchen. I want to put in slab granite. And maybe get a couple other appliances or whatever. Maybe we sell it to them for five ten. They offered, you know, four ninety mm-hmm. to try to save that ten thousand dollars. Well, maybe we say we'll go five ten and pay your closing costs, mm-hmm. and that way you don't have to do that. So it's all a matter of negotiation. We can do. We can pretty much write in whatever we want. Goats, for instance, Bert, Ernie, and Oscar. <laughs> you listened to the last episode. Yeah, <laughs> I hope that you did. Yeah. Great story at the end. It's me again. I'm gonna ask another question about okay. like. So I feel like we have gotten very used to being in a seller's market in a lot of areas in the country, and this might be different where you're living, but. What do you do when you're in a buyer's market? Like, how do you make your home more sellable? Like, what are some additional things that you can do to move your house? Well, if, if, if let's say that the house looks great, mm-hmm. shows wonderful, we don't have purple rooms, we don't, you know, any of that. It's, it's showing fantastic, but we're still not getting offers. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it comes down to a price issue. As much as I hate to say that, if if we think in the market analysis shows that 500 should be it, but we're in a declining market, my best advice is to not just nickel and dime your way down. Get ahead of that curve. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna take a bit of a haircut here. But if we're in a down market when we're selling. Odds are we're going to be in a down market when we're buying. So let's take a haircut on us, on ours right now. Let's go give a mohawk to somebody. (laughs) (laughs) We'll make it up. We'll make it up. 
Yeah. You know, so I think that is, but the best advice in a down market is to stay ahead of it. Kind of price aggressively. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, we talked about getting your home ready for sale, cleaning everything, uh, making it presentable. The TV shows make it out to be that if you remodel your kitchen and bathroom, it's going to double the value of your home. And, yep. But in reality, how, how much impact does a remodel actually provide you in terms of resale value? Not much. Not much. I think um, that a kitchen remodel, and I, I looked this up, um, a minor kitchen remodel returns about 80% uh, return on investment. Okay, so minor, minor means new countertops. Cabinets, uh, maybe. Uh, no, 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 not cabinets. Not cabinets. Paint cabinets, Paint, maybe. <laughs> you know, something yeah. like that. That that'll return about eighty percent. Um, so if you spend ten thousand, it'll improve your home's value by about eighty. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. A major kitchen remodel, it's fifty-four percent. So you spend fifty thousand, you get back 27. twenty-five, twenty-seven. <laughs> yeah. So do yeah, it for yourself. That, you do it for yourself. Not to so, sell your and, home. And, and that is my my best advice, is that when you do remodels, you, you do them because you want them. It's how you live and, and, and what have you. If, if that's, that's the main thing. Don't do it just to, to, to increase the value of your home. Now, there are certain things that you can do that actually will add value and, and return more than their cost. So um, I had a client one time that we had a, a three-car tandem garage. So basically it was, it was two cars wide, double deep on one side. Mm-hmm. Okay, we've all, I'm assuming we've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The family room butted right up to that third bay or that third, the tandem part of the garage. They ended up, they didn't need that area. They had a shed for garden tools and and stuff. They ended up walling off that part of the garage, putting in a set of doors at the end of the family room, French doors, and made an office Mm -hmm. out of it. It It was inexpensive because you didn't have extra foundation. You don't have extra roof cost. You already had power there. All they had to do was put a floor in and finish it and finish it and I think they put some bookshelves in so they went down to a two-car garage and added an office and added an office they added about 120 square feet no more than that excuse me it was about 180 square feet to the home of living area which now increased the value by more than they spent absolutely (laughs) Absolutely. So there are ways to do that type of stuff and and increase the value of your home. The expensive rooms are going to be bathrooms and kitchens. Yep. Those are the expensive rooms to add because there's so much more to them. But paint is not expensive. Paint is not expensive. So if you want to paint the orange and black room before you move, <laughs> you might help your house sell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But why would we, you know, paint a, a burgundy and gold room? 
Cardinal and Gold would be the Cardinal and Gold. Card- Card- Cardinal and Gold. Sorry, <laughs> Mr. USC. <laughs> Oh. Are there any other like costs that people should be aware of when they're selling their home? Obviously, there's costs on both ends. When sure. Buying when you're selling. Sure. So, so costs when you're selling a home. Obviously, you've got realtor commissions on that, and um, then you're going to have title insurance again. So, title insurance from a seller standpoint, we're going to um, buy title insurance showing that the home is being conveyed free and clear of any encumbrances other than the ones that run with the land. So taxes, street lighting, any of those types of things, they stay with the home. But if we've got a loan on the house, title insurance is going to guarantee that that loan is paid off. Mm -hmm. Okay? So we, as sellers, we buy title insurance for the buyer. The buyer will pay title insurance for their lender, showing that their lender's in first lien position. Mm-hmm. So that way, if you stop making your payments, they can foreclose. Gotcha. Okay. So we buy title insurance for the lender. We have escrow fees. So escrow is just the neutral third party, um, but they charge to do that. And we we say, here's our deed to the um, to the you know you can give it to the to the buyer. Once I have the buyer's money in my hand, buyer says, here's my money. You can give it to the seller as soon as I have their deed in my hand. Mm-hmm. Presto changeo, they're just a neutral third party. Mm-hmm. That's a very, very um, simplistic explanation of escrow, but that's what it is. Um, let's see here. So you're also going to have uh, tax pro rates. You're going to have recording fees, um, reconveyance fees. Mm -hmm. They're going to have to, you know, reconveyance is just recording that the loan has been paid off if there's a loan involved. Mm -hmm. So many different things. There's a lot. There's a lot. But there are fewer fees selling than there are buying. Fewer, Fewer numbers of certain fees. Right. You know, it may be more expensive. What are some of the differences you see between first-time homeowners when they go to sell and people who've been through the process before? Probably the, the, the main thing is going to be that they've been through the process before, so they know what's coming. Um, less surprises? Less surprises. Less surprises. We always ask if you've gone through it before, what is it you liked about that process and what is it you didn't like about it? Because that will tell me how to help um, the client better. If it's important to them that we stay in touch, you know, once a week. My, my, the realtor I had before, I listed my house, I never heard from him again. Communication is is you know very important uh, to that person, or it, it's they they never they didn't negotiate on my behalf. I didn't feel like they were like they were working on my behalf. They were just trying to get the deal closed so they could collect a commission check, and that's the last thing that that I'm ever trying to do. So you talked about earlier 
knowing how the sausage is made. So what are some of the things real estate agents do behind the scenes that maybe clients don't realize? Well, there's a ton of stuff. There, there really is. Um, between market research, um, marketing, networking with other realtors. Because a lot of times um, we're talking to other realtors or other agents that may be working with a buyer that might work for your home, might be a good fit, or they're just starting to work with it. So a lot of that happens, negotiations. So a lot of times I'll negotiate with the other realtor. And, it, and there has to be a level of trust between the seller and myself. If I'm representing the seller, there has to be a level of a, a, level of trust there that they know that when I'm negotiating on their behalf that I'm treating their money like it's my money and I'm not going to I mean I'm going to be a bulldog on a ham bone (laughs) but it could get to a point where I come back and say you know this is this is probably the best we're going to get here I would recommend if it were me I would recommend going forward and they have to trust me that that I'm not doing it just to put a commission check in my pocket. Yes, I get paid at the end of the deal, but my goal is to earn their trust, which is character and competence. So, I've been doing this for 30 plus years if you didn't. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, it, the reason I get out of bed is to help people. That's what, that's what, that's my, you know. Um, so, you, you've got negotiations, you've got contract contingencies. We need to make sure that those are met, that they're supposed to deposit their earnest money within a certain time frame that that actually gets done. Otherwise, they're in breach of contract. Coordinating bids and repairs. You know, a lot of times we're checking with contractors. We may have five roofers that we've worked with that do a good job, but based on the timing, only three of them. So, but we're contacting all five. So there's a lot of that that, that goes on behind the scenes. Um, repairs, uh, inspections, making sure that those inspections are done on time or re-inspections. So that way, let's say that we agree to repairs and we get those done, then the buyer has the ability to come in and inspect those repairs, make sure that they're done correctly. And, and to what they asked for. Um, lender appraisals, a lot of things that, that we do. Um, we will have a packet for the appraiser. Because sometimes the appraiser the appraisers are human. As much as we like to, you know, real estate agents like to badmouth appraisers, they're human. And if and they'll take the, the path of least resistance. If I can give them a copy of the sale agreement, what we are finally agreed to. Maybe, you know, we went back and forth on counteroffers a couple times. Highlight the one, the actual sales price that they're trying to hit. Pull up comparables, comparable homes that have sold recently, you know, in the, in the area that show value. If I can do that, then a lot of times I will hold or, or put off or, or we'll get value out of the appraisal that we want. So there's a lot of things that happen. 
Great. So describe someone that you like working with and then maybe someone who's not so pleasant to work with. I like working with most anybody. I really do. Because, again, they're all at different stages, and and, and my passion is to help them get where they want to go. Um, I I guess as far as one that I – if there's one – it's anybody that's unethical. If they're unethical, then I don't need to be working with them. I've got great clients, and my great clients know other great people, and if they're referring them to me, then – I don't have to deal with with people that are unethical. If they're, you know. Yeah. So, what are some things that your clients can do to make it easier for you to you do your job to the best of your abilities? Well, one is is let me know if I'm letting them down anywhere. First of all, just open communication. Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's let me know. I, I don't. Um, I'm always trying to get better, and and if if I've done something or said something that um, offends them, I may not even know that I have offended them, and and I don't want to. So if they let me know, then I can make sure that we we take care of it for them, because that's again that's the ultimate goal. Yeah. Yep. Now, we asked this last time to wrap things up, so we'll do it again. You, know, you talked about the Bert and Ernie goat story for uh, uh, a buyer. But for a buyer. What about for a seller? What are some of the weirdest requests or demands you've gotten from people selling their homes? I, I don't know. I mean, selling, or, selling a home, um, sometimes it's, it's I want to keep this thing means a lot to me. I built it into the home this, uh, and um, it, was, it was my father's or my grandfather's. And, it, and it's a keepsake. I want to make sure that, it, that I keep that. Um, most of the time, though, it, there's no really weird stuff um, like a Bert and Ernie <laughs> and Oscar <laughs> story. Um, but we'll work with them as, as much as possible. I don't know that I, you know, off the top of my head, yeah. Corey, I, I don't know that I have a, a, a story. No worries. Like that. <laughs> well, thank you a bunch, Rick. My pleasure. We spent a lot of time talking about both buying and selling. So if you didn't listen to the buying one, um, definitely check that one out. But hopefully this gives you some more guidance on the selling side of things. And again, this should be educational and information only, not advice or recommendations. Definitely work with a licensed real estate agent in your state, in your area, uh, to get the best advice possible. If you need a referral, reach out to us or Rick, and we can help put you in touch with someone. Rick's part of a referral network all across the country. How can people get in touch with you, Rick? Send me an email or my website is rickmcdowell.com. That's R-I-C-K-M-C-D-O-W-E-L-L.com. We'll include that in the show notes. Okay. Um, my email is rick at rickmcdowell.com. Easy. So it's easy enough. And um, you can shoot me an email. Uh, my office phone is 971-727-8505. Just give me a holler. I'm happy to help however I can. 
We would love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics you'd like us to cover. You can get in touch with the show by emailing podcast at thefinitygroup.com or by following Finity Group on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Finity Group LLC. You can follow me on Twitter at Corey Janoff CFP or on LinkedIn under my name, Corey Janoff. You can follow me on Twitter at Rochelle Finance or on LinkedIn as well. Check out all the podcast episodes on thefinitygroup.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to check out our blog, thefinitygroup.com slash blog. Thanks for listening to this episode of Financial Clarity for Doctors by Affinity Group, LLC. 